0: Hello everybody, this is Twitchy Max, and you're listening to Season 2 of the Family Friendly Podcast, Expired XP. This season we explore the world of gaming through insider interviews, new and retro game specials, and points of view on industry trends. If you like games, this podcast is for you. This week we have our usual Fortnite update, deep dive into Ghosts of Tsushima, a personal favourite, and Eustace Viking has a treat for us, talking about Simon the Sorcerer. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's episode of Expired XP with me, Twitchy Max, and uh, I'm Useless Viking. Oh, hello. NZ, Useless Viking NZ
1: could be S W E.
0: As I remember the song, it was Twitchy Max and the Useless Viking.
1: That's very clear. I think that's actually almost verbatim. I'm definitely the lyrics are correct. Yes. Yeah, they weren't yes. the most advanced ones I've ever created.
0: No, and the melody was also quite simplistic also simplistic and the same I think yeah Although maybe we'll just develop it as we go okay. anyway anyway
1: yes we've digressed we have a little bit what are we talking about today oh exciting stuff so first thing, off, first off uh, we are just arriving at Easter which means that uh, we are in this timeline you might be listening to this later on you definitely will be actually Um, but we've got a little bit of a Fortnite update. We always say
0: that. We always say, but if you're listening in the future, and of course you are.
1: Yeah, of course you are. (laughs) Because unless this was live, which it's not, you are absolutely going to be listening to this in the future. So there's a Fortnite update, and then I know there's a, a game that is extremely close to your heart. Yes. It is close to my heart as well, Actually, a lot, but not as much as, mm. as, as to yours. Yeah,
0: you haven't invested as many... You've not played it through twice. I have not
1: played it through twice. Yes. I did to be, to be fair, I did give it away to my mate, which is one of the reasons yeah, why. A, a bit of an error. Yeah, that was a bit of an error in hindsight. <laughs> oh, I didn't know that we were going to do all that cool mm. stuff. But we we're talking about Ghost of Tsushima. And we're going to finally, yeah. uh, or, or finish off, the finale will be uh, Simon the Sorcerer, which is an absolute outstanding game that I uh, grew up playing.
0: From ninety
1: three, From 1993. So I'll tell you a little bit we more. We keep about coming that. back to that year. I know. There's a lot of good stuff, I guess, uh, that came out in those early 90s, late yeah. 80s. I think that, that those are kind of the areas we, that we that we talk a lot about. So very keen to go through that as well because it had some cool inspirations that you will enjoy. Okay. So I'm not going to tell yeah. you what inspired it yet, but you will be well into it when I tell you. Okay, cool.
0: All right. Fortnite.
1: Fortnite. One of the things that I feel has clarified itself for us is the build versus no build. And I think the reason why I can say that with confidence is we've kind of gone into just playing in build mode. And I think mm. it's a lot driven by the fact that we realise realized that as good as we are at shooting, we're better at killing builders. Mm. Is that a fair call?
0: I think that is a fair call.
1: Yeah. Because we do, the thing is, right, we use fireflies, hand grenades, javelins. Like we've found the way to kind of break people down that are builders. Yes. So they're not as intimidating. And we actually shoot better than most of them. Yeah. so I think that's kind of where we've landed is we're not necessarily skilled enough to play against the people who can't build or don't want to build mm. because they are pure Shooters, Death
0: machines. Yeah,
1: they are death machines. And that's kind of turned us off that a bit. So I don't actually mind it. And I don't think it's been limiting to... I think it's actually made... I do think it's made the game better that they've split it. I I, I think now in hindsight it wasn't a bad move. We've had Easter come in, which means we've got Easter rocket launchers. We've got Easter eggs that we can eat. um, They've just introduced jetpacks. A lot of stuff that you haven't been able to experience yet. But I've had the um, pleasure and displeasure of either being on the receiving end of... Mm. Or being able to use myself. So... Um, Jetpack isn't new. We had it before in Star Wars seasons. It's been there before, uh, but it is really cool. We're enjoying it. We're back in build mode, even though we complained about it for I don't even know how long. Yeah. Um, so it's We've embraced
0: fun. it. I think you only love something, truly love it, when you lose it. And I think yeah. we lost it for a while. Yeah. And we kind of didn't want to admit to the, you know, the squad didn't want to admit to itself missing it.
1: Yeah. I and think then
0: I think we did. We found out how hard it was playing...
1: Against <laughs> yes, people knew what they were doing.
0: Because that's basically what it what it was like. Yeah. And now it's better.
1: Yeah. Now it's better.
0: Building's back. So I'm not going to slag off building anymore, just builders.
1: Yeah, I think that's a nice definition. So that's a Fortnite update.
0: Let's get on to the main event. Oh, now I've got something to show you. It's so good. Which is... A brilliant, epic piece of kit, which is my Ghost of Tsushima book. And you guys will love this, right? Because it's an audio podcast. So I know you're all thrilled. Now, now, we don't do product placement, but I will. Uh, I'm going to read an excerpt from this book, and it's a beautiful book called
1: The Art of Ghost of Tsushima. I do love these. So I'm very much with Richie on this, by the way. So if you're wondering what our views on is this, I think when you're buying a game of the caliber of Ghost of Tsushima, owning the art book is a really lovely touch to get it, to kind of get that extra bit of knowledge. Yeah. uh, And learn more about the hard work. And we've talked to a few game developers, you guys will know this, um, that they put into
0: this. Yeah. Huge amount of hard work. And when I complete a game or I fall in love with a game, I like to get the making of the game book. I understand that. I I like to delve into it. So I brought this with me today and I'm just going to read the intro. So this is written by Jason Connell. He's the art director on Ghost of Tsushima. So he says, when we set out to create Ghost of Tsushima, we had an open canvas to define the look of the game, but there was so much to learn. There is a culture to understand and respect, history to absorb and a story to craft. The winds of excitement were at our backs, and we had no idea how much the art would influence Ghost of Tsushima. This was just the beginning of our long journey. That's the first paragraph of the introduction. Now, nice. The interesting thing is it wasn't a Japanese house that made it. No. So, and I think that's
1: actually a quite a common misconception, mm. that it was made by a Japanese studio. It was not made by yep. a
0: Japanese studio. And yet, yet this game is very popular in Japan. Yeah. So it's quite quite amazing for a, a software house and a team not completely immersed in that culture to do a really good good job yeah. At it, yeah so this is what they did first came inspiration and reference members of our art team packed their bags and flew from seattle to japan to experience firsthand the culture we've been depicting and the island of tsushima where our game takes place some of our peers from sony interactive entertainment's japan studio graciously took us around the mainland of japan and the island of tsushima Over the course of two different trips, our team took in historic invasion beaches, visited beautiful temples and shrines, and documented thousands of photos for the rest of the team to reference. But realism wasn't our only goal. We also wanted to portray the idyllic picture in one's mind after seeing the country's natural beauty, the memory of Japan. To create that in Ghost of Tsushima, we needed to hone in on the evocative visuals that would best transport the player to the island in 1274. We hope that choosing to create massive fields of pampas grass, sprawling beds of spider lilies, or simple but majestic bamboo forests will bring out the explorer in you. So this game is set in 1274, in a Mongol invasion of Japan. Mm. And they made this amazing land that you can run around. It's, It's a complete island. It's got mountains, it's got grasslands, it's got forests, it's got villages, it's got towns, it's got castles, it's got palaces. It's got Mongol camps all over the place that you have to free. And one of the great things about the game is as you start the game, everything goes wrong. You're running as a samurai to defeat the Mongols. You're being very naive with all the rest of the samurai and you all get slaughtered apart from two or three samurai and you're one of the ones that survives you've lost all your samurai skills basically Mm. and the first part of the game you have to to form allegiances with people that you wouldn't as a samurai Mm. like thieves or beggars Mm. or just peasants basically Mm. and then you start to get more skills as, as you go along and you're put in this environment where it's completely beautiful except where the mongols have destroyed it yeah And then you perform certain quests like you do in an open world game. And the environment changes and the Japanese people come back and they start to settle in their villages again. Mm. So it's a very dynamic and beautiful environment. I first played this game on a PlayStation 4. So not a PlayStation 4 Pro, Mm. PlayStation 4. And it was beautiful on the PlayStation 4. Mm. Then they brought out the PlayStation 5 update. Oh, it's just amazing. Just Riding your horse through the pampas grass, seeing the water, seeing the amazing detail on people's faces, it's just fantastic.
1: It's really funny because I remember, I think I'd actually completed it before you got yeah. into it. Yeah, I think you had. And I'm pretty sure, because I was saying to you, I think you'll enjoy it. I wasn't 100% sure, mm. actually, because, so there had some elements, where it has some elements, I should say, to it that we both do enjoy and are quite familiar with, stuff like Assassin's Creed. Um, so there is, I know you didn't play it that way, I did, but it does have that, like, sneaking around, getting up, uh, getting an advantage by being up high, getting up to vantage points, taking people out silently, and all that kind of stuff. So you can, you can kind of choose your combat, you can definitely go in full tilt and just fight. But you do like, like Assassin's Creed games? I did, So you did in the old I, days? I've only played Valhalla. Oh, okay. That's the only one I've played. Oh, interesting.
0: Okay, cool, because I... Th- there is a similarity between yeah. Ghost of Tsushima and Oh no. Breath of the Wild. Ghost of Tsushima is so much more beautiful though. Oh yeah. And the well, story is more powerful. Yeah. The story yeah. in Ghost of Tsushima is really powerful. It is.
1: Be- and, be- yeah. and kind of poignant and, and kind of beautiful and but I think it's what I found with Ghost of Tsushima for me was it was more Assassin's Creed than Assassin's Creed is. Like they did a better job of doing what Assassin's Creed keeps trying to do. In a way better way. Things such as the side quests feeling meaningful. Yeah. The journey itself feeling meaningful. Um, not feeling as much as you're grinding. Mm. I feel like where
0: NPC character progression and development
1: yes. as well. Yes, 100%. Mm. And Assassin's Creed doesn't really do that. They used to. Mm. And then where, where they went was Bloat. They just went big, big, big worlds that you can lose yourself in for 250 hours, but nobody does because it's too boring. Mm. There's not enough variety of quests. There's not enough of a, of a really compelling storyline. I don't even know. Did you complete it? No. No, neither did I, right? No, so we both played it and neither of us completed. So I th- think that says a lot. Mm. Ghost of Sh- Tsushima, on the other hand, uh, and I would love to play it again. So I, I just gotta, mm. I've got to figure out when it's... Well, it's on
0: PlayStation Plus at the
1: moment. So yeah. You, so you just on...
0: need to download... Buy it, buy a plus, get plus, download it, yeah, and smash it, yeah. And there is co-op on it now, which yeah, is which pretty is cool. amazing. Yeah, yeah. The other thing I'm talking about is the combat. Yes. I really love how they've done the combat. What
1: were yeah. your favorite parts of the combat?
0: I like the the progression and the way, like most games, you can unlock what uh, skills that you can do. And I like the way that you could focus on ghost or you could focus on samurai skills. But the way you fought was very measured. It was Or calculated. Every swing seemed to count. Yep. So it wasn't just run and slash, run and slash. Yeah. And you needed to block in a certain way, depending who were fighting. You know, there were different styles of Mm. Mongols that you had to fight and defeat. And uh, fighting samurai as well. You do fight, Mm. fight fellow samurai. And they're interesting because it's just sword skills Mm. the um first time I played it was on the middle setting like the main setting and Mm. I found it quite hard at first as I got used to it and then it said looks like you're struggling would you like to set it to easy and that just like almost made me cry because it made me feel rubbish Mm. um because I can do that myself right Um, but I persevered and I actually really got I felt like I had some mastery of the game. Now I probably don't have mastery of it compared to a lot of other people, Mm. but it felt like I did. Mm. And that's the important thing, is the feeling that you get when you're playing the game. You think, Oh yeah, I'm a samurai, I'm doing really well here. And I really enjoyed that.
1: I think it's actually one of the things, and I don't know if they call it, maybe they do call it easy in Ghost of Tsushima. But I think one thing that's quite lovely in ga- most recent games is they actually call it storytelling mode mm, yeah. rather than easy. easy yeah. Because it's kind of like, well, if the, compel- if the thing that's most compelling to you, or in a, in a very big sense at least, mm. is the story itself and the journey that you take on it then it being at some stages like impossibly hard, I found it a bit of a slog. It is interesting. It is one of those games that you get to a point and then it actually, uh, that, that difficulty just drops off. Mm. And so I kept, I kept on the medium level through the entire game. Yeah. But to be fair, only because I was willing to stick along with it for such a long time that I got through that initial slog, mm. I could easily see myself having played that and just in storytelling story mode. mode. Yeah, because yeah. the story is great. That's exactly it, and it's and it's and it's it is amazing. I kept also having to check. I can remember googling, googling the game while I was playing it, going, "Who made this?" Because it felt yeah. very much like it was made by a Japanese studio. Yeah. But I guess there was some elements that I think, I don't know, and I'm not trying to bag on Japanese studios, but I think sometimes they struggle with a cohesive story that makes sense to everyone and is accessible. I think sometimes that some of their storytelling can be a bit like, I don't really know what's going on here. Mm. And I feel like maybe it's because I'm not, I'm not deep enough into the culture to understand. But I think that Ghost of Tsushima was super accessible for anyone who picked it up. Yeah. And I don't necessarily feel that with Japanese titles mm. always. Very rarely. There are not a lot of Japanese titles that I get very it's far in.
0: a different style of storytelling. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and it, the story in Ghost of Tsushima is more like stories that we've seen.
1: Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. Right. So I think it plays to an audience that it knows is wider than mm. Japan. Yeah. You know, they, they, uh, I don't know, but I would, I would kind of guess that they really wanted to capture as much of a market as possible. Mm. You know, it needed to be it's a, a
0: big... AAA title. You know, they, totally. They yeah. flew the development team out and the art team out. Yeah. To immerse them in the Japanese culture and yeah environment so that they could make the game yeah. but you don't do that on a no B, on a B title no no you don't yeah. no the other thing that i wanted to talk about was the way they approach language and the way they approach the style of the the graphics as well so they have in the game something called kurosawa mode kurosawa is a japanese filmmaker from Days gone by when it was black and white. There's a setting in the game and you can flick it and it sends everything black and white on a like a low-res cinematic f- film. So it feels like you're playing a Kurosawa film. So that was really cool. The other thing that they've done as well is that you can set to play it in Japanese with English subtitles if you can't speak Japanese. Rather than listening to these Japanese characters talk in not their native language or with an American accent or with someone pretending to put on a Japanese accent but speaking English. So it's great listening to the Japanese and listening to the Chinese, because obviously the Mongols are Chinese, and getting the subtitles and reading it like you're watching a, a film. It feels great. Yeah. This game's available on PS Plus for download. It's been out for a while, so you can probably get it mm. reasonably cheap. Yep. Um, it's a fantastic investment of your money and your time. And if you enjoy it, I really, really recommend that you purchase the book that I wrote the, wrote the excerpt from. It's called Art of Ghost of Shishima. Mm. It's just beautiful. And it's and got it's... sketches in it. It's got concept art in it. It's actually got drawings from what they were going to do in the book. And it just tells the story of how they made it. It's, it's beautiful.
1: It's a great way to give an extra nod to the people who who make it possible. I mean, obviously that is a very much an artist concept book yeah. and there are obviously multiple parts of any game that make it amazing mm. but I think in something like Ghost of Tsushima I've got a few books um, for other games that I've loved the same way it is a really nice way to kind of get more engaged understand more about the thinking behind it and how it went from concept into mm. reality
0: yeah I, I love to learn about that I find it fascinating yeah. Yeah. and it's people that have made these great this is a work of art yeah it's, it's an amazing game yeah and I'm surprised it's not as big as it is I know it's quite a big game but I'm surprised it's still not big um, and I really look forward to Ghost of Tsushima
1: too. yeah PlayStation exclusive absolutely it will yeah. be, 100% cool cool alright
0: so there we go Ghost of Tsushima go and play it
1: go play it and now another game completely different right so we're going from Ghost of Tsushima we're talking about being in Kurosawa mode and being able to be black and white and the reality and and, and kind of how this spell spellbinds you is a great way to actually say this. Um, spellbinds you in a different way. Um, I wanted to talk, I guess, on that note, about a game that spellbound me when I was in my teens. And it is an absolutely outstanding point-and-click adventure game. Uh, it is in the same ilk of the uh, kind of Monkey Island games and stuff like that. However, the source of inspiration for this game was Discworld and the Discworld series. So even though it wasn't, I don't think it was actually an, it's not an actual Discworld game.
0: Mm.
1: It was 100% inspired by Discworld and it's called Simon the Sorcerer and it's absolutely outstanding. And when did it come out? It came out in 1993. and like, which is, Same year as Doom. So it's it's kind of that year which had so many other things that came out at the same time. And we kind of, we always find like things like Doom or other things that, that kind of seem to have happened in a very short period of time. A lot of amazing titles came out. On TV you would have been watching, well I don't know if you would have been, but both Beavis and Butthead yep. came out in 1993. Quantum Leap, X-Files started in 1993. You had Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Music, ironically enough, something that we talked about last time on the last podcast, which was I Do Anything For Love with meatloaf. <laughs> it came out in 93, <laughs> which is really funny. I think I placed it in 2002. So I'm happy that I was wrong in one way, because I yeah. guess that was a great soundtrack to listen to while playing Simon the Sorcerer. But So it is a point-and-click adventure game, and it does follow a lot of the stuff that you do in, in the LucasArts game. So basically, he he kind of goes on this quest, because he's transported into a parallel universe, and there's magic, and there's monsters, And you basically have to become a wizard and rescue another wizard from an evil sorcerer. So that's kind of like the plot of the game. And a lot of the stuff that you would expect from, say, a Terry Pratchett game when it comes to the humor, the characters, Mm. the dialogue, all of that wit is in the silent sorcerer game. It was actually one of those games that I think in some ways probably also contributed to me wanting to be... I, there was a short period of time where I thought I could be doing stuff in games, mm. but I always thought I would be that dude who doesn't exist. Well, I guess they are kind of the storytellers who sits in a corner and just comes up with cool ideas because I had no actual skill set, mm. And that was based a lot of the humor and stuff that went through the game itself. So that's probably one of those um, moments where I went, this is a quick, I wish this was a career that I could have where I could just sit in a room and come up with funny jokes and stuff. Um, but it is, it is one of those best, the best kind of point and click games that, that I probably played, it is very much like the Monkey Island style where you got verbs and you uh, mm. pick up something, you can touch something, you can smell it, you can lick it. I think they had a few that were just humoristic and had absolutely very little function in the game itself. Uh, and you also had like luggage that you could pop stuff in that was kind of this play off the Discworld luggage, oh, obviously, yes. and things like that. That
0: would be really useful. Yeah, in games really useful if you because as we've spoken, having your stash in games, you always have to go and retrieve things from your stash, yeah. and it, it kind of the whole concept of inventory and stash re, stash really breaks in computer games. Yeah, if you're in the disc world and you've got your luggage with little legs on, yeah, that problem is solved.
1: Yeah, and there were discworld games that came out, but they yeah. were funnily enough not as good as Son of the sorcerer. So there were Discworld games, they were way more directive, and they were not as free as I felt the Simon the Sorcerer game was. It really let mm. you do pretty much whatever you wanted to. I think it was because the narrative of Discworld games were very much about some of the books from memory.
0: Mm. So they
1: had to kind of follow beats more closely. Yeah. Whereas, I might be making that up, but Simon the Sorcerer obviously not being a Discworld game, but just being set in a very similar environment, he was very much Rincewind. Mm. The character you play, oh, Simon, okay. he's he was a coward. He's a coward. He's young, though. He's like a 12-year-old boy. So it's kind of like fair enough that he's a bit scared. And he's not really a magician. Uh, but he kind of gets thrown into this world where he's got to kind of learn all these things and interact with all these peoples to try to save this other wizard and then fight this evil sorcerer. But it did feel very Rin- Rincewood-esque. And all the encounters and all the dialogues really does. So... Look, if you can get your hands on it, and I'll tell you one of the reasons I thought about it is because it was on AntStream. Um, This uh, platform that Richie's been recommending to me for ages and I just have refused to do anything with, called AntStream, um, that lets you play retro games. Mm. And when I was going through the back catalogue, one of the games that popped up was Simon the Sorcerer. Mm. And I was like, oh, it just immediately, I had this image of me sitting in front of my Amiga, because 1993, I would have been on an Amiga, shifted off from my C64 and playing this game with my mates and us just giggling because the dialogue and everything was so funny. So I kind of had to mention it. I probably have done less of a synopsis than we would usually do on it, where we delve in deeper into the game mechanics and stuff. But I guess it's kind of one of those games you just should go and play. So if you can, get on get Antstream, it's well worth it. Richie's right for uh, once, you know, we have our disagreements of the Breath of the Wild, but I agree with you on Antstream. Um, get into some of the Sorcerer, it's a great game, the humor's amazing, it is very much like Discord, you'd love it, Leanne mm. would probably love it as well. So that's my that's my kind of final tip for the day. Go play Ghost of Tsushima. That that's the mm. priority. And then when you're wanting to kind of hit that nostalgic beat and do something yeah. completely different. The nostalgia drug. Absolutely. Look, we're we're all about treating ourselves in, in different gaming ways and so, Simon the saucer will scratch a different edge. Okay. And that's it for us today. That is, yeah. And for this week. So have a lovely week. Take care of yourselves. Stay safe.
0: Stay safe. Thanks for your time, everyone. We love talking about games. See you soon. Thanks for listening today. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave us a review on your podcast platform. If you have any suggestions or comments on any of our pods, you can contact us at expiredxp on Instagram. Next time, we'll be talking to Jay Hosfeld. For many years, Jay was a lead animator at Epic on Fortnite and other titles. So tune in if you want to hear how they make all those awesome emotes. See you next time.